There are so many things that gardeners say that can be so confusing when you just want to grow some food. That's all we want to do is grow some food. Why we got to get all mixed up in the terms. Well, today we're going to try and break out some of the common misconceptions and understandings of terms right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening and give the information out for you to be successful in your garden, whether it's your first or your last. We are your hosts, Ben, the backyard gardener, and Batavia, the front yard gardener. One in the country. One in the city. Now get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening as we learn to grow and grow for change. Sometimes my mind works faster than my mouth does, so I don't know if I made up a word or two in there or used them in the right place, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I um I never had issues with, you know, I've always talked a lot. Let's just put that out there for oh, people. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I mean... Yeah, I've always talked a lot um, and I never had issues with like a stutter or anything until I got older. And I think yeah. like the more complicated my thoughts became, the more I wanted to get them out, the more I got tongue tied. I stutter all the time and I, I hate it. Yeah. So and then when you turn the light on and the camera and everything, it gets even worse. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's I, okay everybody for me does if it. I'm sitting stationary, if I have to have some movement or action then it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> So are you excited about talking about gardening terms? We're still in new year, new me. I'm excited about everything. <laughs> oh, good. I can't wait for the salty you to come back. That's uh, the Batavia I like. Yeah. I sent a note to my boss because it's we're just coming back to work now, or at least I am. And uh, I told him that this new year, new me version is set to expire within seven to 14 days. So, yeah. you know, mark your calendar. <laughs> it's it's not long lasting. <laughs> this version of me will self-explode. Was it on a mission accomplished mission impossible impossible. yeah self uh self um oh there's people yelling right now they're like say it's at the tip of it self-destruct yeah that's it that's it wait i don't want i don't want to self-destruct this version of me will be replaced with a new version of me all right let's crack your shell yeah let's do that (laughs) so um this is going to kind of kick off our little I don't want to say, I guess I can say series of mm-hmm. a, a more educational type series. Yeah. Because I've had a lot of people um, at least comment to me and I know on the Backyard Gardens TV Instagram about what does this mean? What does that mean? And they have a hard time following the lingo. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going we're gonna to break some of that down, I think. I I've think wanted to do, to do this talk for like more than a year. So, I know. yeah. And it hasn't been, it hasn't been the right time. Mm-hmm. I think now's mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Now's the time. Yeah. So, housekeeping quickly. Mm. I um, have a new blend of yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I thought I had a minute there. I have a yeah. new blend of coffee I use, which isn't great for the environment. K cups, because um, mm-hmm. I mean I'm not putting on a pot of coffee. One, two, since I don't work in an office anymore. Gosh, I love that free coffee. Um, I went to K cups, right? But those aren't, you know, it's a plastic cup of coffee. So we got a new blend as a part of our holiday package, like a bag of coffee. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy one of those thingamajigs that you put in that, you know, reusable K cup, which yeah. jig. And um, yeah, I'm on like cup number four, man. It's yeah. like no guilt. You know? <laughs> like, That's intense. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but 
Yeah, that has nothing to do at all. Yeah. What was the That's question okay. again? Housekeeping. Oh, housekeeping. Oh, that was a personal housekeeping item. Coffee. Yeah. Okay. All good. right. Okay. So we're in January. Temperatures are still unseasonably warm here for me in Chicago. What is it looking like in your world and specifically good or bad for the greenhouse? Oh, don't even ask about the greenhouse because it's 65 degrees outside. It don't even matter. I got the windows yeah. open and, mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm ready but to move been, on immediately. The Farmer's Almanac has forecasted that in my area, we will not have a cold winter. Hmm. So. What, what the, area is that again? For gardening? Zone, well, it doesn't matter. It's not the zone. It's I'm in um, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So the southeast. Yeah. Well, I was south- I was I was trying to nudge you along with the zones. I just want to make a mark of that, you know. Again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we do our zone, because this is setting off. Mm-hmm. When we do our zone talk, you're going to be crushed. Mm. Oh. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> your your joke's going to be crushed quick. I have no intention on letting this joke go. So do what you may. I will. I will. All right. So uh, I'm just going to lead in with it. We've already talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again. It's not occasional. I'm in socks, just full on. Like just, really? you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm over it. Um, I'm fighting the chill at every front. I, own, I don't have on my house sweat, um, scarf because of the microphones and all. I've taken yeah. that off. Um, so, so yeah, I've embraced it all. I'm going to go ahead and say that you need to bring the house scarf back. Oh, well, you know, see, we'll yeah. see what if I can work out. Well, there are actually multiple house scarves, but there is one that's, I don't know, this is going to get uncomfortable for a minute. Uh, it's that thing well, we that you probably, yeah, it's that thing you probably wear far too often. Yeah. Um, it's the, I slept in it a little bit. I wear around the house, but I also go outside and it's kind of breaking all kinds of, of norms. Um, it's just so, breaking the rules left and yeah. right. Yep. Yep. That's how I live. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> And then our seed giveaway is going on, backyardgardenstv.com, sign up. And February 1st, we will be contacting the seed winner to start their spring garden. Mm -hmm. So hit us up. And when you do that, you'll be getting a newsletter, hopefully every month. And you'll also be entered into all of the giveaways Mm -hmm. that we do. So join up. And if you haven't already, check us out on Instagram, as well as YouTube, Uh, And then if you're just listening to the podcast, which is totally okay, drop us a review. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Gardening terms. We're done with all that fun stuff. Gardening terms. Gardening terms. What? So where do you want to start? Well, let me start with a story because that's the way I was born. (laughs) So this came to mind when... A very dear friend of mine that grows nothing. Um, so that's, let's set that up. When I did my very first uh, YouTube video, I think, under a Be Better Garden, check me out. Uh, when I did my very first YouTube video, I had already been transformed into someone that uses what's now common garden terms. And she's like, oh, it was great. I couldn't hear you that well. I was whispering because, you know, I was out front with my camera and felt kind of weird filming my front yard garden, which is also kind of weird for my area. And so then she said, and also what does harvest mean? Yeah. Right. And so again, I've, for all of my years, many years of gardening, I never used that term. 
I understood the term, but never used it in the garden until maybe the last three or four years. And it's funny because then it becomes the norm for you. And it took me aback when she said it. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, and so I'm a problem solver. And so in my mind, it's like, all right, that's a problem that I want to solve. There are going to be people that watch and listen and I chat with that aren't going to be gardeners or they're going to be gardeners like I have been in the past and don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And that's not yeah. what I want to be. Right. And so that's what I wrote down, you know, garden terms episode. And it's really hard to pull that off, like in the garden as you're talking about it. That's the reason why I love we're doing it on this for, uh, format. So, yeah, there is a time and place for every subject, and yeah. some subjects just don't go well without video. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I'm the same way. I use, so, I mean, harvest, why don't we start with harvest? Why not? So, a harvest is something that I use because it's a way that everybody can kind of, they know what you're talking about because you, you take away the lingo. Mm-hmm. of different areas right so like if you don't say harvest what do you say in the midwest um i would and prior to saying harvest i said i'm going to go and pick some tomatoes yeah. oh i just picked some collards you want to come by yeah well, actually i almost never say that because who's sharing collards but yeah yeah i say picked but you know some people might say something else or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i guess really when you're communicating online yeah. too it might be i don't know Maybe it's more universal is what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's more universal for the people that use it. So again, going back to my good friend, she would have been like watching me type harvest. Like what the hell? I mean, context clues are a thing, right? You know? Well, you know what the problem is? What's that? We haven't even told what harvest means yet. Oh. Harvest is going out and collecting your food. So that's what a harvest is. Yeah. And I think of it as a farming term yeah so it's used as a verb and a noun right so the act of harvesting yeah. and the thing that you collect is your harvest right now i didn't sign up to do this show for no damn um english lesson i'm I going to tell like you i don't want to hear official, no more man, noun like, verb adjective none of that Leonard, contractions we're, we're splitting adjectives and, and tossing verbs <laughs> leonard's over here like hell no <laughs> that's all you're gonna get from me man that's that's my yeah. high moment <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's, you know, I agree with you. It's a, mm-hmm. a verb and a noun at the same time. It, um, it, it, you know, like if you go to hashtag it, you don't go hashtag pick some grub. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. harvest, yeah. you know, so. And it's, I feel like it also refers to a bigger collection of food. Mm-hmm. Like a bigger picking or harvest, yeah. however you want to use it, so. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I think you're right in that my very first, I always take a snapshot of my very first tomato of the season um, and whole tomato, not necessarily cherry tomatoes. And I've never described that as even before I was kind of doing social media gardening. I never described it as a harvest. No. Yeah. No. So it's just so I got the, one. Yeah. The award winning first tomato. Yeah. Let's celebrate. So let's take it back a notch and let's go with um, an annual. Mm-hmm. It's pretty straightforward. An annual is a plant that's going to live its life cycle in one year. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of our vegetables, well, they can be annual or they can be perennial. Perennial, yeah. Which means that they can live, they might go dormant, but they'll come back year yeah. after year after year. Okay. And... You go. 
I go. And then you, go. you have <laughs> biennial. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one always Which, confuses me. Well, let me read the direct definition for you then. Mm-hmm. A biennial is both at, at flowers and veg. Hold on. Let me take that back just about three seconds. Okay. Biennials are varieties at both flowers and vegetables that complete their life cycle in two years. Okay. So what is a biennial for us? Carrots. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You have to grow the carrot, you get the fruit, and then the next year you get the seed. So that makes it a biennial. Yeah. So it always confuses me because it makes me think about work when we have conversations about bi-weekly versus bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. It's like, when the hell is the meeting? Like, Yeah. How, how often? Um, so I want to, can I talk again about annuals? Sure. I just um, wanted to get all of the different ones out yeah. there. So when we go through them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, go ahead. So for annuals... Um, I'm going to say that I'm familiar with the term because of what I see in garden centers, your big box garden centers, right? because they're, you know, boldly labeled annuals. Um, I probably thought being in the Midwest in Chicago, I'm going to lean on that a lot. Right. So my ignorance here is based on no, no, no. Um, I probably thought everything was an annual, meaning everything died and nothing came back. Yeah. Um, just kind of along the lines of how cold it gets, what I see in the, in the next spring, in the next summer. Um, and then I started to realize, oh, there's some things that come back. And still, I thought just really flowers and not necessarily vegetables. Um, so I mean, I'm thinking probably like the first five, six, seven years of gardening, um, never even thought about biannuals, um, until recent years, like the last couple of years. Uh, the thing I do want to point out though, is although some things are labeled annual, um, some things even in Chicago, even in zone six, I want to figure out how far I was going to go with that. Still are grown and return as perennials, Right. And I also think that some annuals that are labeled, and I'm putting an asterisk around labeled as an annual, depending on your climate, if your weather is warm enough across the year, also are treated and come back as perennials. Right. So then that is a marketing technique in different areas. That's what that is. So, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm trying to think. Like, it gets pretty cold where you are. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that, like... What is something that you grow that like your hibiscus, right? That might may or may not make it. No, it's this is listen now. Don't you don't you speak in that way about my hibiscus? Oh look, don't you get violent? <laughs> well, they're actually there are two types. So for years and years, which is a great example, I bought the ones that were most readily available um, at my garden center. The ones that are like as soon as you park the car, get out of the car. You know, they're on the on the street in the parking lot. Those were all annuals. I learned like three years ago that hibiscus exists as a perennial. Uh, you talk about a happy day. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the ones that I've purchased as perennials have returned. I think I'm on like the third going into the third year of those returning. Right. Um, lilies are example of things flower wise that come back in my area. Rosemary has come back in my area in my garden uh, yeah, from an herb time. standpoint. But what, what I was trying to get at is there might be something that you're growing that will just die that year. But because I'm farther south and I don't get mm-hmm. as cold, mm-hmm. it will come back. Yeah. You know yeah, what I, I can't mean? Think of anything so, off the top of my head. You know, I don't. I mean, there's. We're not here to do a plant 
ID session sure. and, you know, we're not dictionaries, but you know, it's one of those things where it is a marketing technique. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I think that these terms are important. First of all, if we're growing flowers, mm-hmm. um, but second of all, the biennial term is key here. Okay. Because well, I'm sorry, before you go on, can you give the Latin origin of the word biannual? Oh, sorry. Oh, never mind. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, well, bi means uh-huh. and then annual. So, but that's important because we're saving seeds mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. vegetable gardening. So, flowers, yes, we all know that there's annuals, there's perennials, mm-hmm. and there's even biennials. So, just to cover the flower aspect of that real quick and correct me if I'm wrong okay. that like, I like I know my Fox glove is a biennial, mm-hmm. so it'll grow one year and then the next year it'll flower Yeah, and then produce seed. And then, so it takes two years for that life cycle. That drives me okay. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So that being said, when it comes to like carrots and parsnips mm-hmm. and all these other vegetables, if you're trying to save seed, it is key that you know the term biennial when you're reading stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you were making out your plan, is it we're just talking about carrots that, well, I won't get off into the idea of carrot seeds and how viable they are year after year. Let's, let's yeah. save that for a different conversation. Yeah, we're not yeah. we're not here for that. We can have a whole another show about that. Yeah, okay. All right. Literally, you see him just shutting me all the way down. You're lucky this is still new me, new year, I new know, me. I'm taking advantage of this situation. So um let's do uh bolting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I know that I've done a couple videos and commented about stuff about bolting, and a lot of people are like, What's bolting? What does that mean? Yeah. And it's simply the plant shooting up and going to flower and creating mm-hmm. seed, mm-hmm. which means um, bitter taste, no more fruit production or, you know, food production. Correct? Yeah. I love so, thinking about it as it's another step in completing its life cycle. That gives me goosebumps uh-huh. to think, think about, you know. That's exactly these right. plants in the way that, I mean no different than us, their life cycle, just a little bit shorter. Um, but yeah, you know, I oftentimes, and this is one of those things where just out of habit, I, I misspeak. Like I'll sometimes use, you know, uh, going to seed, bolting, flowering. Like I'll sometimes use that all interchangeably, which really it isn't, you right. know? Um, but the, the idea of this ain't what I want, you know, like my, um, bok choy or pak choy who who in the hell knows which one it is now um, but it bolted and i saw it flowering right, right. and so now i'm like oh, i don't think it's gonna go to seed because guess what happened chicago winter um so we'll see oh i just read about that okay okay tell me more tell so me more it, tell me more a, it's a reaction to um because i always thought like it was um heat you know it's mm-hmm. the signaling to the plant we're done. So you get this, you get bolting a lot of times in your broccolis and kales mm-hmm. and cabbages and lettuce and all your Spinach cool weather crops. Too, yeah. mm-hmm. Spinach. Mm-hmm. And um, once it gets warm, it'll shoot up, create a seed, and it's unpalatable unpal- at that mm-hmm. point. You cannot yeah. eat it. So I was reading about it because I actually had some lettuce bolt too. And it's a stress. It can be brought on by stress in the plant. So if it's not getting enough water Uh or there's like wild temperature fluctuations. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to kind of mulch the bottom of your plants and stuff. Just try and minimize that big Mm -hmm. fluctuation in temperature. Yeah. My um, collards a couple of seasons ago. So I'm going to speak in years to make it easier for my mind. 
um, 2019 collards that I planted in the summer did just fine. Georgia collards for those that, you know, are interested. I plant them in June, harvest them throughout the summer and, you know, first part of fall. I left them unintentionally in the place, right? Mm-hmm. Come spring or very tail end of winter, they started putting on new leaves, growing again, right? And I'm like, shoot, one more pot of collard greens for me. Harvested, you know, another uh, mess of greens. And then I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if this plant's going to continue to produce. But sure enough, by the time spring really set in, they bolted right, and went to flower. I pulled them up just because I didn't have the time to go through the cycle of it, you know, to collect right. those seeds. And I had a plenty of them, but yeah. Okay, you ready for some? It Time makes me for a little uncomfortable. Action. Yeah, yeah, let's go. F- okay, so full sun, mm-hmm. oh, six hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Pop quiz, so, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so full sun is six or more hours, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Part sun is four to six hours. Three to six hours. Oh, good night. Or Says four you. to six hours. Yeah. Okay. Which is also part shade. So hold on. This is how I separate it in my mind mm-hmm. because I feel like you can't have a part sun and a part shade on the same block. Okay. So part sun would be four to six hours of sunlight and part shade would be three to six hours mm. because you get a little bit more shade with the three. Yeah. Right? So... I don't often is, go ahead. I don't often use this phrase because I think it's really important. To, like your words have power, but I don't care about that shit. Like no. I well, well, this I'm going to tell you what I care about. It's either a full sun or not for me, right? Yes. And so most of my garden has full sun. There's some pockets that don't, and so if it has if it's labeled a full sun plant um, or a package of seeds or whatever have you, then I'm going to plant it. And what I deem full sun, which is most of my garden, if it says something different, then I'm like tucking it away. And in most cases, I stay away from it just because, you know, why take the chance? Um, So I do know that there are people that have challenges when it comes to their garden areas. I know a lot of people um, talk a lot about, you know, I don't get a lot of sun. My my back porch is shady. Um, And so the way that I manage that is it's either, again, full sun or not. You know, so well, I so I've seen and I've seen in multiple places. There's full sun, mm-hmm. there's part sun, mm-hmm. there's part shade, there's full shade, and then there's deep shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen it, and I've and not every heard time of deep shade, I for sure have heard of full shade. Yeah, I've heard of deep shade. Okay, which is just like no sun mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. So and you know, full shade is you might get like a spattering of it. But I, I hear it and I see it everywhere and as different time lengths for each one. Yeah. And that's why I think what you're doing is what basically what I do. It's either full sun, which means, and in my area, not only do I have to go to full sun, I have to go to drought tolerant mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it gets so hot here. Yeah. I think that's in my mind probably most important. The reason why right. I, you know, what did I say? I don't care about that shit. No, let, me, let me finish. Let me give the drought tolerant definition real quick. Oh, I'm not going to talk about drought tolerant yet. I know, but I just mentioned it. Go ahead. 
It's a plant that can thrive in low water conditions. Did new so. me, new year, new me just wear <laughs> off like... <laughs> All right, tell me again. I'm sorry. It's just a plant that can handle low water conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sounds obvious, but, you know, yeah, you so, still have to water it. Then you have to go to heat tolerant, right? Yes. Because those are two different things. You're getting me too far off the point I was trying to make. Now I'm trying to figure out if it's even worth it. All right, go ahead. Heat tolerant. (laughs) So heat tolerant is the ability to resist triggered issues like poor pollination, bitterness, premature flowering, and lack of fruit set. So this kind of all goes into all of this right now. Okay. So we're talking about biennials and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And then we talked about bolting. Okay. So if you get a heat tolerant, that's what the heat tolerance does, like mm-hmm. a heat tolerant lettuce. Like I think you got me the butter crunch lettuce that's mm-hmm. heat tolerant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what that does is it allow it to get a little bit warmer and then it won't bolt. Yeah. But if you even get smart and you know that lettuce can take a part shade. Yeah, yeah. Or a part sun, then you can extend it even further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like I get 95 plus degree days here. I might be able to push mine another month maybe month and a half in if I do it right. So knowing all of these terms and working them out together. So just because you think your back porch is in full shade, it might not be in full shade. Well, that's the point that I was getting to when it comes to the way that, and you have to have a definition for a thing. So I get it. So the way that, you know, part sun, part shade, full sun were defined, the number of hours, who is measuring that? Like as a at home gardener, who knows that their back porch gets two to four hours of shade? Like, of course, it's possible for you to go out there and measure it, but no one's really doing that. I'm going to speak for the people. And so that's the reason why I go with it's all or nothing in my mind. That sucks because I know what my porch is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Well, and you know, I mean, it's it's not hard. All you do is you go and you say, OK, I see the sun came and hit my porch at 10 o'clock today. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to see when it stops. And then that's, and then you do the, you know, okay, it was 10 to two, I get three hours. It's part sun, you know? So that's all important to go into it though. Yeah. 10 to two is three hours, but yeah. Well, whatever. (laughs) This is an English, this is a uh, English language arts session, not a math session. I can't wear but so many effing hats. (laughs) Don't set me off today. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but OK, so now let's go back to drought tolerant and specifically heat tolerant. Okay. Okay. So for you, you mentioned like 95 degree days and we'll get here in Chicago a 95 degree day as of late in late years. We may get uh, three or four days, but we're not getting weeks or months like yeah. there isn't a month where we're continually in the 90s and it's a pretty uh, it's a rarity now that we even get to triple digits. Right. So I said that to say. A 95-degree day, a single 95-degree day, a couple of 95-degree days doesn't mean, oh, I need something that's heat tolerant, right? You know, your temperature and my temperature are so different when it comes to the summer. Nope, I'm standing on Depends on on the crop. Depends on the crop. You think that one day of 95 degrees can send something to bolt? You know, I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. It depends how sensitive a crop is. I honestly don't know, but I know that if I was worried about it, mm-hmm. I would just go heat tolerant route. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if one day will do it. I don't think so, but there's a lot of other factors that come into it. 
Yeah, the thing that's interesting, though, is when it comes to some of these labels, and that's the thing, we know what we know from the way a plant or seeds are labeled, but then we also know what we know from experience, right? So I'm sure that there are other things that are heat tolerant that just aren't labeled that way. Um, and that's the the thing, like, I'm going to, cold tolerant was what I was looking for when I was thinking about lettuce in the fall and winter. I looked for right. packages that had cold tolerant on it. There is other lettuce that I'll probably plant in the, you know, fall of 2021 that isn't labeled cold tolerant. And we'll see if it does well, you know. So I'm, I'm not trying to say it's not important to understand the terms. Um, right. But I, I'm saying don't kind of limit your growing potential no based on that no but i mean you definitely need to know when you're reading these things Mm -hmm. what we're reading and it took me a long time so i'm I'm hope this episode is not falling on deaf ears because Mm -hmm. you know it might seem obvious but if you start talking and you know i didn't think that i talked like this and then i start look i started looking into it for this episode and i was like oh snap you text like this as well you write letters in long form like this to me I write letters to you? When's the last time I wrote a letter to you? I'm just joking. Yeah, I was going to say, no. So, um, what was, okay, heat tolerance. That was the last one. Yeah, yeah. We went through all of the tolerance. Cold tolerant, heat tolerant, drought okay. tolerant. Yeah. So, let's talk about, let's go back to seeds for a minute. Let's talk about heirloom seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going to cover this briefly. I'm going to let Papa, you cover it briefly. I'm not going to I'm not going to jump no, in with you. No, cuz Papa Bear's coming back yeah, this we have a full episode on this soon, so I'm just y'all don't I think worry. the timing is going to be post New Year new me. So but just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so we have heirloom seeds and they are open pollinated varieties that are over 50 years old and I believe the cutoff date I don't remember off the top of my head is like 1951 or something mm-hmm. like that. And is anything before that was is considered an heirloom. Yeah. So you'll get true to seed. They haven't been crossed with anything. Mm-hmm. And then we have hybrid, which is where they cross pollinate. So you take a really hot pepper and a jalapeno and you let them pollinate and you'll get the size and the heat of one or the other. And then over time they go more and more mm-hmm. and more. Mm-hmm. So the most, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not even going to use that yet. Um, as an example, I think it's the, I'm going to get the name wrong, Nabanero or something. I have some seeds for, it's a mild habanero pepper. So we, a yeah. lot of us know habaneros are like one of the flame, flaming hot, you know, peppers. Um, so this has been created um, to give you the flavor of the habanero without all of the heat. Exactly. You know? Or you can get like seedless watermelons and mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So the biggest thing to think about is corn. Yeah. Have you ever seen what corn looked like back in the day? I don't know if I have. It was rough. <laughs> like it was like a cob with like a piece of corn here and a piece of corn there and a four or five is here. Pollinated, and now, right? uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm not a corn expert. I don't okay. claim to be. But I know that now the way we look at corn is because it's been over centuries and centuries it's been pollinated this way. Mm-hmm. And it's been cross-pollinated and cross-pollinated. Now you get all this beautiful corn. So that is a brief on seeds. It's got heirloom, hybrid, and then we have Did you my define favorite. open pollinated? Uh, open pollinated is <clears throat> varieties that produce seeds that are true growing into nearly identical plants 
as they as the plant they were harvested from if they're not cross-pollinated. Mm-hmm. So this is where if you're trying to save seeds, you need to look into different ones being separated yeah. by distance or whatever. So, yeah. you know, and that's why. So that's what open pollinated means. Okay. Yep. Now, these next two, this whole little section here, I want everybody to put a pin in mm-hmm. because we're going to come right back to it in another okay. episode. Yeah. But we have organic seed. Okay. And those are seeds grown on an organic certified property mm-hmm. following USDA um, gardening guidelines. Okay. We're going to leave that there. Mm-hmm. That's the saw. We're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the, uh, I don't want to say anything offensive, so, you know, (laughs) the one that everybody gets all upset about is GMO, Mm -hmm. genetically modified organism, okay? It means genetically engineered, okay? Mm -hmm. And it was manipulated at a gene level and in a laboratory, Mm -hmm. all right? So, that's that. That's all we're going to talk about for that because that's... A full episode yeah. in that one thing, and I don't feel like talking about it right now. Good job it's, on the restraint there, though. I'm trying, man. Yeah, I got to move yeah, on. Yeah. I got to move uh-huh, on. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it? Litter is like, wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, indeterminate. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good one, because you know what? I get confused about indeterminate still. Oh, there's uh, so there's indeterminate, there's determinate, and there's semi-determinate. Like, I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, they're just making shit up. Like, they're just making it up, right? No, they're not really just making it up. Go ahead. Tell us. So, for, I grow determinant through the full summer season because, so. What is it? All right. So, for determinant, (laughs) it basically is going, tomatoes is one of my favorites. The tomato plant will grow and will set flower and all fruit should be expected kind of in one fell swoop. Right. You know, so an indeterminate tomato will continue to produce and other indeterminate plants will continue to produce both flowers and fruit until it is either killed off by disease or weather. Right. Or obviously, if you pull the plant. Um, So I get tomatoes. Let's say if I were in Ben's Lucky Shoes in zone, you know, 8A, I can plant tomatoes and continue to harvest all throughout the year. Probably let's say you put tomato plants out in May. You could probably still be harvesting tomato tomatoes from that plant in, you know, July, August, September, October, November, Mm -hmm. where a determinate plant and strawberries are another good example of that. A determinate plant is going to set fruit and you may get all of the fruit from that plant in August, as an example. And now that plant's going to complete its life cycle. So that's what I got. Okay. So determinant, but the way I remember is it determines how big it grows and how much it gives you. Okay. Right? I mean, it's, yeah, that's a, that's, that's, a, mean, yeah, that's an easy way to remember it. You're damn right it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because... So basically what you're saying is if I plant this seed, all of it's going to ripen at once and then I'm going to get it all at once. And when I pull all that off, that's it. It's done. It will not give me any more. Well, it's not everything ripens on a specific day. Well, no, no. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're coming into gardening thinking everything happens on a specific day. (laughs) Yeah. I can't help you. The reason why, and I would have stayed away from determinate plants because of my understanding of it. Like it's going to put out fruit 
and then it's going to stop. And I'm like, why would I ever want a plant to stop? And there are reasons why you would want that. But for me in my um, gardening season and, and kind of when I plant and when I don't, I've planted on accident and then on purpose, determinate plants for tomatoes and still pulled green fruit off the vines in October. So my basically, I've not given my plant enough time to, to complete that determinate cycle, if you will, which, again, works out just well for me. Right. Um, so, yeah. See, I did not realize that they determine the amount of produce you get. I thought it was all about size. No, you know, so, yeah, it's going to so be. I learned something today. Boom. Mm-hmm. Today's a good day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, what is the point of having a determinant then? Other than the size, like as far as harvest goes, like what would be the point? So I would think if I am, let's say I'm a farmer, right? And I want to get, um, or, you know, maybe people in Florida, right? You want to have a period of time where you're going to grow and then stop because you're going to plant another crop. And um, you get kind of a shit ton of tomatoes too, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Versus waiting that longer period for that indeterminate variety. There's probably a, a... different reason why it really exists in that way there's some varieties that are only determinate too um so i'm i think i'm like 89 percent sure roma tomatoes are only determinate could be wrong there leonard will check the facts and we'll edit this video just keep going and going and going well no so again mine did too my romas did too but they are clearly determinate variety or a determinate variety so check the package yeah I have to check. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I was always growing indeterminate, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? I think that is, I think you're right because I know that like when I grew, cause you know, I've always grown Romas just cause that's what mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. When I grew those, uh, better boys this year, maybe yeah. is that what it was? Them bitches got long mm-hmm. boy. Like they got, I mean, it was like ridiculous how yeah. big they got. I yeah. was like, what am I supposed to do? You know what? I mean, I was like, I got cages here. I got them tied up here. I got these stakes here. I got yeah. all this craziness. So I think you are right. Yeah. But I still continue to get tomatoes throughout the year. Now they definitely come on heavy, mm-hmm. but even after that, like they come on heavy and then they stop and then they come back. Yeah. And well, I always associated it with like a heat thing because it was so hot in the summer that they kind of mm-hmm. just went dormant for a little bit. Well, and that's that. And I don't want to get too far down this road, but those things do um, matter, right? When it comes to your climate. So when it comes to my weather, I believe it influences how I know it influences how quickly that Roma tomato uh, ripens. Right. right. You know, so, yeah. And we're not even going to talk about semi-determinant because whatever. No, no, let's not. We're not going to break down stuff in ultimate classifications like we're good. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing I like to do, and I think Batavia might either like or be starting to do, is successive sewing. Yeah. So I I really want that to be a part of what... I didn't put this on my, my goals um, but listen to that episode if you haven't already. I didn't put this on my goals, but it is something that I want. Or maybe I did. Should I, I just need to get my notebook and check my goal list. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, but it's it's it takes gardening to a level that I'm just getting comfortable getting to when it comes to how planful you have to be. Right. Right. Like I love a good project. I love a good plan. Well, but there's also some comfort that I have when it comes to just being all free and willy nilly with stuff. We got to give the definition before you start going on about it. Oh, goodness. I mean, you need to be quicker with the definition then. You leave okay. a space of dead air. I'm in there. So sewing is 
Successive sowing is sowing at least once more after the initial sowing, which extends the harvest. So you can do staggering. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you plant, like I'm about to stagger mine. So I'm going to go out and, or no, I already did. I planted some broccoli. Mm-hmm. I started it. And then I'm coming back and I'm going to do it again in another two weeks. Yeah. And so that gives, you know, I'll have a, a variety. So I don't get like broccoli is like a one and done basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't get 50 heads of broccoli. Yeah. Once I get five this week, five the next week, five the next week. Within reason, it can be different. But yeah, um, you, know. you did that last year with your carrots, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I did that with. Yeah, I did that for sure. And actually kind of backfired a little bit because I started my carrots late. Mm-hmm. So I got one really good crop. Yeah. And then the other one, I was like, well, I'll just wait a couple of weeks. And it had gotten hot already. And I ended up just getting a bunch of like green lush tops. Mm-hmm. I got some carrots, but they weren't very big. You could tell that they had stopped producing the root and started making the tops. Mm-hmm. It's an because excellent they are way. Biennials and they were doing their next phase. Okay. All right. I see the. I see you there. Okay. You see me. You see uh-huh, me. Uh-huh. That was my flex. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna follow up with just some randomness though. It really allows you to better manage your harvest. Yes. Um. So. Or your picking. Yeah. Or your picking. Yeah. Or your mess <laughs> of insert vegetable. <laughs> yeah. But and then you can also do um sowing, which is sowing is planting seeds. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. So that's a, Gosh, shouldn't a we have started name. with that twenty minutes ago? Look, probably, but we didn't. So <laughs> it's um sowing two varieties of the same crop with different maturing dates. Mm-hmm. So you have like I have a I have Waltham broccoli, I believe is it what it's called. It's an eighty five day variety. Yeah, and then I have another one. I don't remember the name of it. That's a fifty three day variety. Mm-hmm. So as it gets closer to the warm months. I will put those in and I will get a faster crop. But I thought you just described it as the same crop. So it would be you staggering the 55 day one or you staggering the 85. I'm still staggering it. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're planting two same, same crop, the same plant. Okay. With different speeds. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I think the idea that them having different speeds don't make them the same, but let's, you know, I can go with it. Broccoli is broccoli. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, New Year, New Eve. Yeah, I like a, this. I'm digging this. Uh huh. That's also a good way, though, when it comes to time to harvest, right? Yeah. You know, so that 55 versus 85 days. Um, I love that. You do that a lot with your beans too, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do my beans. I'll do. I go out and I do my um, bush beans early, mm-hmm. and then I'll do my pole beans later. Which those are the ones that trellis. Yeah. So I'll wait. And then what I'm actually this year, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be doing bush beans. I'm going to be planting bush beans every two weeks throughout because they're kind of, I think they're kind of determinant. I'm sorry. I just got a direct deposit. I wasn't expecting. You I may heard have to go that. on break. Okay. Look at God. Okay. Go on. <laughs> I think, um, I think that bush beans are basically determinant. I know that they kind of grow to an extent. They don't just keep on producing and producing and producing. Yeah. Don't I've never had that. Yeah. Huh? Don't get me to lying. What do you mean? Don't give you the line. I said, don't get me to lying, lying. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But your seed packet will tell you. So, yeah. um, and then replacing one finished crop with another crop. So that's another mm-hmm. part of successive sowing. Mm-hmm. So this is, I think, this is a very powerful way 
to garden. And that's, I live by this. It's my intention to do that for primarily lettuce. I'm so excited about it. So by the way, I still have lettuce from my fall planting. Remember when I was crying about going back into the, you know, Mm -hmm. grow room. So I planted in started season July and August of last year, put them out in September. And I'm like pinching off of it, boy. You talk about someone savoring lettuce. (laughs) And I, you know, I was thinking about it as a part of my new year's resolution or new garden resolutions. Um, When I wanted to start seeds indoors for lettuce, it was like the very beginning of December. And then I got twisted up in my indoor garden project or indoor um, uh, plant project and now we're a month later and I'm still, I still haven't planted them. And that would have been a perfect right. opportunity to start in de- by December 5th, then plant another, start sow other seeds January 5th and so on and so forth. But, you know, yeah. new year, new me. We'll be better. New year, new you. Mm-hmm. I, I hear it. Uh-huh. I hear it I loud know, and clear. Right? Hashtag it. <laughs> yeah. So do you think, um, what was the last thing we just said? I forgot now. We were talking about uh, woo. succession sowing. Succession sowing. Okay. So we'll just keep going around this kind of seed mm-hmm. detail for a minute. Um, I just had it. Da, 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 da. Direct sow is just putting them directly into the ground. Mm-hmm. That is direct sowing. Like where I they're going seed, to live, right? Boom. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're going to grow and live their life. That mm-hmm. is direct sowing. Okay. That was my first Some, experience with... Um, using seeds direct sowing yeah mm-hmm. yeah it should be and there's mm-hmm. certain c- plants or crops mm-hmm. that are perfect for that um you know your zucchinis and watermelons and all that stuff they're really good for they germinate really fast mm-hmm. and um damn it see i say i use germinate but you know let's give you Go the ahead. exact definition uh-huh. the moment when a seed begins to grow oh you know? that moment when it emerges yeah from you the know dirt. i've got a I've got a lot of germination going on in my house right now. So Wait, are you, this is a family show. Wait, what are you? Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, Broccoli, I'm sorry. kale, collards, uh, okay, cauliflower. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I got two flats growing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, direct sowing is just bloop, right in. So, mm-hmm. and so those great things, way to start with seeds. Yeah, those things that, um, I don't think this is a 100% rule, but generally what I've read and heard and saw is things that don't like their roots disturbed um, are yeah. great candidates for direct sowing. Um, so roots being disturbed could be if you, well, I'm going to pause there because I think you're going to cover off on where I'm headed next. Um, it's okay. Go ahead. Know. Okay, so ahead. I was going to say, like, if I start, if I start seeds indoors, if I sow seeds indoors, you have these flats, right? I have to move that plant outside. So whatever I'm growing it in, I have to pull it up and then yeah. plant it, right? And disturb so that's an opportunity for you to disturb the roots. Um, yeah. So a lot of root vegetables too um, are recommended for direct sowing. I'm gonna run you off everyone I know in the top off the top of my head. Go. Beans, beans, peas, watermelon, cantaloupe, squash, zucchini, <clears throat> potatoes, um, and then all of your roots. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that just right off the top of my head. That I, I when I see those seeds, I know, boom, they go yeah. right in the ground. Yeah, you know, or you stick them in and you get them started. But I mean, there's no point 
Yeah. Really? So, so I have always used transplants for zucchini. Mm-hmm. So for squash and didn't even know it was a thing when it comes to it being recommended is the key yeah. to direct. So although there is some question mark around the health of the plant when you transplant versus direct. So, but yeah, it stresses it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it stresses it. Yeah. I'm not going to give you the definition for stress because after last year, we all know what stress is. Yeah. Moving yeah. On. Here, here. Um, so we did direct sewing. Let's see. Let's see here. Oh, I just figured out what the direct deposit was for. That's not that. It's not fun. exciting, probably. Oh yeah. Oh well. Teach his own. <laughs> um, for seeds, let's say you have microgreens. Let's go ahead and label mm-hmm. what microgreens are because there is a little bit of confusion about microgreens. Please do. Okay. Microgreens are young leafy vegetables or herbs that are harvested just above the soil line when the plants have their first pair of leaves. They are called, and I can't say this word and I should be able to, cotyledons. Mm-hmm. The C word. And yeah. The C word. And possibly the just developed true leaves. So every seed when it comes up, it has these two little leaves that don't even look like they're real leaves. Those are just their feeder leaves. They're there to get them their first jolt of nutrition. And then they fall off and, or then they get their true leaves. And then those just kind of, but a lot of people will grow their seeds and be like, well, these little two leaves that came up first, they died. Oh my gosh. They're, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally getting teary eyed. I just can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> you cry too much. We got to get you. you get uh, this help. is an outlet, man. This is an outlet. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm listening to you describe it and I'm envisioning the germination yeah. and those leaves, you know, forming. I didn't know, though, that those weren't the real. Well, I only knew it because I had heard people talk about true leaves, right? Yeah. But when looking at them, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, let's go, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, they're not true leaves. They're mm-hmm. just... True they're leaves meaning that- the leaves that will ultimately, air quote, stay with the plant, right? They're not the real ones. They're not here well, for long. They, yeah. They're the real version of the leaves because, mm-hmm. you know, those first leaves probably will not make it all the way to yeah. the end, but they are the first version of what the leaf will look like. Mm-hmm. So when you needed to identify a plant... You know, you got your seeds mixed up. You're not going to be able to really do it. I mean, you can, but it's not as easy with the little C word leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get hung up trying to say it. So yeah, you I'm not, I'm not helping leaves. you out either because it gets me tongue tied too. Cotyledons. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. Good. Yeah. And micro, but so back to the microgreens mm-hmm. part, that's just growing them up to that point. And then you shave them off, correct? Mm-hmm. I've yes. never grown microgreens. It's not my thing. Yeah. Have you grown them? So I'll be growing them this year for the first time. Okay. Um, so you have you're just doing it yeah, for the first time. Yeah, I haven't time. started it just yet. Um, and it's there's a whole well, it's a big business. We're gonna leave it at that. Well, it's a big quick business. I mean, the discipline we're showing in this episode. This is like <laughs> new backyard, new year, new backyard gardens podcast restraint. Yeah. This is like the episode of nothing but teasers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you go to buy your um, seeds. We need to know, are you looking for disease resistant or disease tolerant? Oh. Hmm. I want both. May I have both, please? I don't know if they make both, but yeah, um, disease resistance is exhibiting less susceptibility. 
susceptibility uh-huh. or an immunity to a specific disease. Okay. So when you look in your seed catalogs and all that stuff, they always have like all these different, like some mm-hmm. of them have like abbreviations, a whole row of yeah. little abbreviations. They're like, well, disease resistance is that where it just won't get that to a certain point. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it still could, but mm-hmm. disease tolerance is a better a, be, bleh, a better ability to thrive with the stress of infection as compared to other varieties. So it looks like it'll still grow with that disease tolerance. Yeah, the plant it makeup. It gets the disease. Yeah, the plant makeup is designed to be able to fight through what that disease is and continue right. to produce. And none of this is a guarantee, but the plant has been carved out to to be better against those two things, the D's. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah. Straight out the gate. Like, I've gotten some stuff that was disease resistant. Mm-hmm. Every year it, it falls to that disease. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fallen soldier. And then disease mm-hmm. tolerance, like, I don't know. I don't know if I've gotten some disease tolerance, but like in my area, I could see like getting like a powdery mildew, like tolerant. Yeah. I don't and think that they've like, gotten that because I've been putting a yet. stress test on that bitch. Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, thing will be struggling. Challenge, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then um, I mean that's basically it for that. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that they're um, and there are versions of it. I, I've I've seen a lot about uh, scab resistant. Right. So there are versions of a disease that scab. you know the plant for potatoes. So you've seen potatoes that get that scab on the skin. Have you seen scabs on potato skins? Yeah. Regular like white potatoes or whatever, not sweet potatoes. What about a scab? What does a scab look like? It looks kind of scabby. Like the skin of the potato doesn't look smooth like you would normally see in the grocery store, even in your backyard garden. It is a disease that sets in or or, I don't know, it could be described as a fungus. And so there's some potatoes that are um, developed to be resistant to that. Um, Do you so, get them at the grocery store like that? No, I've never seen them at the grocery store like that. Okay, I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't think I've ever seen that. I'll just say if I have, I'd probably eaten it and don't know it. But yeah, I think you'd know it, and I think that maybe you've accidentally bought some that are scab resistant. Now, <laughs> I probably have. <laughs> well, they might be on that GMO list. Mm-hmm. So, oh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's um. What were you saying? I forgot. Fight, fight, fight the filling. Now, I was just giving an example of something that is disease resistant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a bunch of disease resistant stuff. And I I get confused on what's disease resistant and disease tolerant. Mm -hmm. You just told us. I know. But when I'm when I'm looking (laughs) at it, like in my head, I'm like, well, which one is which? Mm -hmm. Like I have Mm -hmm. to look at the pack every time. Yeah. And I don't really buy stuff for that. And there are heirloom seeds that are one or the other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I I think. Part of the, gosh, part of the heirloom, kind of the con of it is a lot of those seeds aren't resistant to those things because us making them resistant has happened in recent years, right? Recent decades. Um, right. So you do have some of those um, plants that are susceptible. Hi, hey, look at that right. flowing off the tongue uh, to some of the diseases that we try to fight. Exactly. Yeah. And some of them are, though. Mm-hmm, to other mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of both. So where are we at on time? Okay, we're good. We're good. Did we're good. Did you hear my stomach growling? I did. But okay. mine's, oh, you yeah. want to talk about stomachs growling? Good <laughs> night. <laughs> um, 
So if you're growing uh, flowers, then you might want to know if a, a flower is a self-sowing flower, which just means that it drops its own seeds mm-hmm. and will regrow. Okay. And there can be uh, flowers or plants in general that will take over. Yeah. So marigolds, from my experience, zinnias are good examples of self-sowing seeds. There's a couple others that um, um, my good girlfriend, she gave me like these random seeds. She has plastic bags when she goes for walks with her kids and everything. And she collects seeds and stuff from random plants. And she wrote little notes on the bags, on the paper bag. She put them in saying, you know, these will run wild. Right. You know, these this is self-sowing and so on, um, which I love. That speaks to my garden heart. Well, you need to know that. Because the last thing you want to do is put something in and then be fighting to get rid of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't on one hand, but I kind of love the idea of something getting bigger and better. Um, Mint is an example of something that gets out of control. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, and it's something that I don't want to fight with. But it's not not self-sowing. No, it's not. But uh, there's not a flower that I can think of off the top of my head that I wouldn't want more of. Yeah. There's um, how about how about a um, not a moonflower, not a moonflower, the other one, morning glories. Mm, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A vining one taking over your house. Yeah, yeah, I you're mean, right, you know, something right. like ivy. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, ivy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I remember, and those aren't like ivy's not self sowing, um, but I remember. So, yeah, I'm mixing two things: things that spread. And right. things that are self sowing. There's some, um, uh, what is it? Lemon, 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 damn it, what is it called? Lemon something majig that is totally self sowing that will blow all over your garden. Um, and lemon balm, I think it is. Um, and I have so many warnings about it. Like, be careful. Oh, really? Yeah, before you let it. Because I, I got confused about planting it last year. Wasn't sure if I planted I was consulting one of my garden gurus. Not you, another one. And um, she was just uh, like... How dare you cheat it on me? No, oh, listen now. Listen Look, now. I have an open relationship with the gardeners. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, we were trying to identify the plant virtually, right? And she's like, if it's what I think it is, you need to cut it down before it basically sets seed. Because that right. shit's going to blow all over your yard and you're going to hate it. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking to see, and I, uh, spreading by roots or something like that. It's just spreading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't yeah, see like a term for it. There very like, well could be. Um, spreading would be lily. Spreading would be, uh, what's the green? Hostas, things like that spread. Yeah. Spreading is mint, like we described. They yeah. spread via rhizomes, the roots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, my so, favorite. <laughs> yeah. The bulb, as I like to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you say that, but they're a little bit different. But they are different. Way, That's the reason why I pointed out. Yeah, self sowing is is something that you definitely want to be careful of, and the only way that you could, and I I would say you could cheat something like that, but as if you live in a cold enough area where it'd kill the plant, but the seed might actually make it through and it just continuously come back. Yep. So if you live somewhere like I live, like I have some woods around my house, I got to be careful because I can't let it take over those woods because mm-hmm. then I'm not I'm doing a disservice. Mm-hmm to the land. Yeah. So that's important too, you know, in the city, like you just kind of have a pest on your hands Yeah. that you have to get rid of. But like, I could really screw up my system out here. So your ecosystem, I got to be yeah. really careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My ecosystem. So, um, that's very important. Agreed. But, um, Batavia, I don't know that I think it's that important, but I'm going to go with it. I've not what? fallen victim to it. That's actually, it's, it's all relative, right? So I do believe in what you're saying. self-sowing seeds? Well, the self-sowing seeds that have run rampant, you know. 
I've heard horror stories. Mm-hmm. I have never gone crazy. I have, you know, everything that I hear of that self sewing, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, yeah, like wildflowers yeah, yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I mean, and then, okay, so the benefit of that too is like if you have a patch that's, you know, wildflowers take full sun. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I have a patch form as full sun, but if they started to take over, they would just grow into the woods mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they wouldn't be full sun. So they would never really take off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there is a limiting factor to an extent, yep. but some stuff like it's, you just got to be careful with. I know morning glories are one of those that are very, very tricky. I bought a package of seeds for morning glory and then said, oh shit, I don't have room for my not self-sewing, but I don't have room for these things to spread, you yeah. know, and decided against planting them. And I love the look of them, but you know, you have to make My sacrifices. grandfather grew them and I remember him spending hours and hours ripping them out of the ground mm-hmm. and they had taken over the whole backside of the house and everything. Yeah. It was like, it was intense. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't a spry chicken at that point in his life. I mean, he was, you know, probably in his sixties. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, the closer I get to sixties, I'm like, well, that's not too old. <laughs> But he was, you know, he spent some time ripping that stuff out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got to be really careful with that. Yeah. And even stuff that spreads by root, I think, is even worse. I think so, too, because no. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to pull those things up. Yeah. Because so. you got to get down in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as so, soon as you think you got them all, guess what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's that time. I'm hungry. I'm actually really hungry. Me too. So Batavia is going to give us the recipe of the day. Okie dokie, smokey. All right, so this is super duper simple. And these are things you'll start to hear my recipes are like things that I'm like eating before or after we record this podcast. So in this case, it's going to be after um, a I'm going to call it a fancy name. I'm going to call it a sweet potato bowl, but it ain't really that fancy. So take a single sweet potato for one person. I'm going to say medium size. If they're really small, like the ones I got out of my garden last year, you'll probably need two. You're going to bake this. Ben is going to um, cancel me because I'm going to say you bake it in the <laughs> bake it in the microwave. So you can wrap it up with, um, you know, a cling wrap, poke some holes in it, put it in the microwave for the same time you do a baked potato, four or five, six minutes, depending on the size and your microwave. You can bake it in the oven. And if you bake it in the oven, again, pierce it. You're probably going to cook it for somewhere around... 50 to 60 minutes you just want it to be soft like you would again a baked potato at like 350 degrees the goal is to get the baked potato right i in some cases leave the skin on or at least part of the skin because we know there's a lot of good stuff in the skin of a sweet potato Um, but feel free to peel it once it's been cooked microwaved or in the oven Uh, you're gonna yeah you're gonna fork out or spoon out the inside of it Put it in a bowl is the way that I normally eat it. And I'm not going full on mash. I'm not looking for the consistency that I would if I was making a sweet potato pie, right? Or even mashed sweet potatoes, which is a thing. I'm just going to fork it apart, like literally using a fork to mash it up. I'm going in my world going to add about a half of a banana and I'm going to slice that up, uh, thin, medium size, whatever you want. I'm going to dump that inside of the bowl. Uh, I'm going to lie to you all and tell you that I'm not adding a little bit of butter 
to that sweet potato because this is a new year, new me, and we're not just adding extra things. Uh, in seven to 14 days, the version of this recipe will have just a dash of butter because that's how I roll. Um, you could also do a little bit, just a drizzle of maple syrup or honey. I use honey. It's, you know, cheaper. Um, but I do know some people have some dietary reasons they don't want to use honey. I'm looking for something to give it a little bit of gooeyness, right? From here, I'm adding my favorites are pecans. So chopping up a few pecans, um, you could do other kind of, I want some nut here. So you could do a walnut, you can do almonds, you could do it, but I don't know if it's right. <laughs> you're gonna it's chop not right. Up, yeah, you're going to chop up some pecans and add it. There's some other things you can make this recipe a little bit more intense with, but that's as simple as simple gets. I'm using my baked potato from the microwave. I'm using about a half of a banana, slicing that up, adding it, a drizzle or two of honey, and then some pecans because I love them. Um, and that is... I've not, I'm not yet in, back to doing calorie sizes, but that's a serving size for a breakfast. I normally have it for breakfast. Booyah. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I am um, for sure going to be having that in about a week. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. yeah, spot on. I've been looking for something like that. Yeah, it's you know, one of my favorites. If I want the creaminess, I would just put it in the oven and bake it. <laughs> <laughs> and not pierce it. Yeah, yeah. That'll help I it mean, stay creamy. But. You could do, you wouldn't do nutmeg, but you totally, you wouldn't do it, Ben, but you totally could. You could add some yeah. cinnamon to it. Um, yeah. I would stay away from things. Like, I don't think I ever add salt like I would a regular white potato. I don't ever add salt to a sweet potato. Um, so. If it's not a good sweet potato, I will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there it is, a fancy sweet potato breakfast bowl. Are you um, taking notes on the way I eat and trying to give us easy recipes now? Because I... I... mm -mm. No, this is a version of Batavia, new year, new me, right? I go, I throw back to some of the things that, you know, when I was very conscious about healthy eating, you know, that's one of those things, so... You saw that, that whole, some of that stuff creeping in though. Like, go yeah. ahead and put some, some butter in that. Go ahead. It'll be I fine. Saw it. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. I don't judge. Yeah. yeah. It's not on me to judge. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. You ready to continue? Damn it. We should time this better. Yeah. Why? I'm ready to continue. Because you're hungry now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was hungry going in and I just didn't realize describing that recipe. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Hardiness. Oh, oh, this is an important one. Yeah, it's super important. Mm-hmm. So it's the degree to which a plant can withstand cold. So it can also indicate the lifespan of a plant. Example, mm-hmm. annual, mm-hmm. biennial, or perennial. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a little bit of fuckery going on here. <laughs> okay. Hashtag it. <laughs> <laughs> so... It depends on how you look at things, okay? I I think scientifically, if you look at hardiness as hardiness, like it will live to this number, okay. But if you're giving it to people and they're planting it, and then they're planting it into a pot, Mm -hmm. well, a pot gets a little bit colder if they Mm -hmm. plant it in the ground. I think that there's it's a little tricky. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a little tricky when you talk about hardiness. Now, vegetables is pretty straightforward. Yeah. 
you know, except for your greens and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I posted the other day. I was like, I wish I was getting more than greens out of my garden right now. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. So, um, yeah. The most important thing that um, that I think hardiness comes into play to a gardener is kind of two phases of gardening. It is someone that's starting to grow different things, right? So someone that already has a garden, has had a garden and start to grow different things. Because if you've already grown things, you already know, right? Like, yeah. you know what's going to live and how long. But when you start to expand what you're growing, you got to kind of make sure you're considering that. Um, and that is for people that get colder weather, right? right. You know, so in most cases, let's take, your t- zone tenors, you know, let's take someone that, and there are a bunch of places that have a zone 10, but let's say California. Zone 10 is what's considered mild climate zone oh, 10 and up. Okay. So if you're in zone nine, you are not in a mild climate. Okay. Yeah. I don't care about that, but thanks. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so for, so, I mean, I know that they can get colder nights, right. You know, but I'm trying to think of something that we look at as kind of, um, hardy or not that would matter for them so i'm not i'm well, gonna go I mean, on go ahead look at me look at me like i'm growing like i have well no shit i have the the greenhouse out back mm-hmm. and everything outside of the greenhouse is is struggling mm-hmm. but then i go into the greenhouse where it just stays a couple degrees warmer at yeah. night and everything is flourishing are you gonna tell me you're in california now like this shit this no stop man no, okay, it's well, right. you know what? I you, <laughs> technically my greenhouse is in California mm-hmm, okay. because it levels it up to another zone. Oh, it all ties in. All right. So, so it's important to someone that's starting to expand their garden and grow different things. And then yeah. I've had this conversation a few times in the last couple of years. It's can I grow insert this? Can I grow insert yes. that? And the idea of what's and specifically people that are local to me, what's hardy and what's not as crucial and um, I hope I do a fair enough job without getting too technical because we are intended to get technical today. But I hope I do a fair enough job kind of advising the why, because if someone has their heart set on something, they don't they don't want to hear. No, they can't grow it. No. Lemon trees. Great example for someone in Chicago. It's possible. But you better put that bitch in a pot. You know, moving yeah. into a warmer well, area. Anything's when possible comes. to yeah. an extent. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's to what extent do you want it to grow? Yeah. So, yeah. So, hardiness is important. Uh huh. Yeah. So, because what does hardiness tell you? Whether or not that thing's going to live through what you're trying to put it through. How about how frost tolerant it is? Mm, cold tolerant, Next frost word. tolerant. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, frost tolerant are since are crops that tolerate some cool weather and even a frost okay mm-hmm. so that's really important for this time when this is coming out this yeah. is really important yeah and every time i say that we should have started with like 15 of these we should have just done like 15 like 30 second off. episodes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know what the anxiousness that i live with when it comes to the frost is coming, the frost is coming, the frost is coming, the yeah. frost is coming. And but there's also a part of me that wants to kind of push the envelope a little bit, like, see what happens with this thing that hasn't been labeled frost tolerant. Yeah. Seed package doesn't tell me one way or another. Uh, but go on. Well, it's just, you know, frost tolerant is basically that. It's just it can tolerate mm-hmm. a frost. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that it will thrive in there, but it will tolerate a frost yeah. and maybe to a certain degree. So like um, kale is a good one that mm-hmm. grows. It'll take pretty damn cold, like mm-hmm. 17 degrees cold, yeah. 
you know, no, it will stop growing, but it will not die. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's going to be booming like it's spring. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's a key is it's not going to be booming like it's spring or anything. Like that. So things will grow. Yeah. And that's why like in my greenhouse and in my garden, you see me doing things the way I am because they're all cold tolerant or frost tolerant. So two different things. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I have, as an example, cold tolerant lettuce. It I, It's not just on the label. I've proven it. Right. You know, and that lettuce um, is surviving differently than the probably cold and frost tolerant kale. Right. So the reason the way I use these terms is, am I going to do the mad dash when frost is coming to try to harvest what's there or pick what's there? Or am I going to let it be? Right. You know, I use it to see, like, am I planning it for the right time? That's you know, that's what I'm using it for is like, I want to be successful. Am I doing the right thing by getting this? Because, yeah. you know, then you have you don't want to put a frost sensitive crop in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is just. They won't tolerate a frost at all. At all, yeah. You know, like your tomatoes, you get one frost, boom. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. unless you get a cold... To- there are some colder tolerant stuff, you know, frost... I don't even want to say frost tolerant, but, you know... And you can get away with a little bit, too. It it can be very tricky. Yeah. But no, if you get down to like 31, 30 degrees, it's going to be lights out for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So are you done taking the words out of my mouth before I finish them? Sure. Okay, all right. You know, this is why I like this episode. Why is that? Because I'm allowed to interject and I can't get in trouble because that's like the design of this episode. Lead us on. Yeah, I'm not going to add anything more to that. Yeah, it's... um, Okay. I didn't mean to steal from you. No, no, it's all good. It's it's all sharing and caring. I think that I have been fully aware of what's been frost tolerant, meaning the cold's going to kill it. But I've gotten questions around what's going to happen to my tomato plants locally. You know, yeah. so are they going to be done? Die. Yes. Are they going to be done like when winter comes? And I'm like, yep. Chicago yeah. living, you know. I mean, I mean, you can you can leave them up, at, but they, you'll come out the next day and they'll just be like, oh, shit. Yeah. You yeah. know, they look totally different. So Not only does the plant in the case of tomatoes look totally different once that frost hits it, as well as the fruit on it. Right. right. Um, so and the caveat to all of this is you can take some some other measures Right. You have a tomato plant in a pot, in a container. You can move it out of that frost condition. The question is, do you really want to? Right. And is it worth it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There could be a maybe so question mark in my mind around some peppers. Um, But go ahead. You're going to talk about overwintering, I think, in an hour 48 of this episode. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not talking about overwintering. Um, that's, uh, and the reason why I'm not is because that is a more advanced situation. Sure. So I feel like at that point you've kind of gone through and you've, you've figured, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I think that's actually a part of a list of conversations we're going to have later on. Yeah. And so then we have hardening off. Mm-hmm. So that's going with that. And that's just <clears throat> acclimating your plants to. Um, if you started your plants indoors and you're moving them outdoors, it's acclimating them to that climate, mm-hmm. the light, the intensity of the light, the heat, the wind, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So you're, it's a significant change to the conditions that plant was living in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's all I really have. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. 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 
that it's it's really hard. But you know, I'm just I was trying to think of like what's the common ones? Yeah. What are the ones that people are going to use the most? Stuff like that. Did I miss anything, Batavia? Uh, well, I mean, again, there are millions of these things. The only other thing I wanted to comment on, because I do it and I talk about it a lot, is the cut and come again method. So it's not necessarily just a word and there's a term to it, but the cut and come again method is something I use often for kind of my leafy things, you know, lettuces, um, you know, even things like bok choy, you know, um, I use it all the time for my collards, use it for my kale. So it's where you're not harvesting or picking the entire plant. So you're not removing the plant from the soil. You're also not cutting all of the life off of the plant. You're basically yeah. cutting or pinching off, in most cases, the outer leaves because those plants will grow from the center. So you're pinching pitching off the outer leaves to go with your harvest right and the center of the plant because everything is still intact will intact will continue to produce it's not infinite right you know again these things will go through their life cycle so it's not you're not going to do the cut and come again method for six years on a head of lettuce that's not how it works Um, but it does allow you know that for a fact i absolutely know that for a fact okay yeah because that lettuce ultimately will bolt Right. Uh, so I've seen it in my all the lessons I've grown. I've, I've grown every lettuce there is known to man. That's not true, but we're going to. Yeah, go I was going to say that's the bold <laughs> statement that people are going to hold you to. Uh, but yeah, that's one of my favorite. Um, I think that I may do less of it when I do more succession planting, uh, but we'll yeah. see. Well, and so first of all, I don't like that as a term. Yeah, I know. I could see it on your face. I know. I was trying not to be obvious, but and the reason why I don't like it is because I don't know any other way to harvest that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? It yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. kind of, you know, it, and that's part of what made this episode so difficult for me is to come back and say like, because it's so commonplace for us to do things. You know, it's like the come, cut and come again method. Mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, that's just how I've always done it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So it's really hard to kind of break it down like that. So it, it's a challenge. It's but really... I don't, Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry for interrupting. I was just going to say it's really satisfying to pull up a head of lettuce for me. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, so, I mean, I get it, but yeah. I've never done that. No, I've never pulled up a head of lettuce. I've never cut a whole head of romaine ever, ever in my entire. Do it. No, do it. It seems like a waste of space. I won't do, do it. it. <laughs> Don't do you. it. <laughs> I do have I was scrolling through the list that I had I do have one more and I've had this question um, transplanting or transplants same idea of harvest and harvesting we use them okay. you know in the same ways so hey I say transplant and starter plant are the same thing do you agree N- no okay so well finish up I'll, I'll tell right. you if I agree or not so a simple example is a transplant is something that I used to buy all the time from the garden centers, right? And then I transplant it from where it was into my garden. The things that I grow in the grow room, the, the plant, the tomato plant that I will pull out and harden off in May and then transplant into the garden is also a transplant. Um, starter plants, in my mind, it's that same plant. So you tell me if you see it differently. No, I just think it's dumb that we're like, it's transplants and we're transplanting transplants. I'm not transplanting transplants. I'm transplanting seedlings. Okay. Either commercial seedlings. Well, it's confusing. That's yeah. why. 
Like I don't so call I think them about transplants. seedlings as the young things. No, I call them like seed starts, seedlings, uh-huh. seed uh-huh. starts is what you get from the store. Yeah. You know, but even then, so it gets really tri- difficult. And this is why I try not to separate the two when what we do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because like I grow my own seeds, but I'm still taking a seedling. Okay. Hang with me. A seedling mm-hmm. and transplanting that into the garden, where if I go to the store, I get a seed start and transplant that into the garden. So, so but it, it is important that that is brought up. Yeah. A seedling is a young sporophyte, butchered that, developing out of the plant embryo from a seed. Seedling development starts with seedling yeah. of the seed. That's the reason why. I mean, obviously, I didn't. I just read that from the interweb. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, those are the ones with the coyotes mm-hmm, and um, the little mm-hmm, ones. You yeah, know, those are yeah, seedlings. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I have for garden terms. I hope this episode was fun. It's kind of fun. I got one more. Okay. Variety. Oh, that's a that's a butt buzz. Yeah. <laughs> Variety. Yeah. So cabbage. I'm growing cabbage. Mm-hmm. What variety of cabbage are you growing? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's where you break down every single one of these terms that we talked about that describe plants and yeah. put them into this variety. Yeah. Okay. So, into this word. So when you when you message us mm-hmm. and you say I'm growing tomatoes. Mm-hmm. What do I do? The next question out of our mouths are going to be one of two things. What zone are you in? Mm-hmm. And what variety are you growing? And what variety means what type of tomato? Because yeah. there's all kinds. There's They're bred differently. They do different things. They grow differently. They have different heights. Different da, 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 the you most know. obvious difference would be a cherry tomato versus how I like to say a whole tomato, right? Yeah. Um, I probably would just say what type of tomato are you growing? But I, I, I'm with you. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. What type of tomato? What variety? Whatever. But... You know, you're you're gonna get that a lot, and you're gonna see that term a lot. Variety, variety, yeah. variety. So because there's a wealth of information that can follow once you understand. If you are asking me a question, what variety it is, right? Yeah. That's gonna tell me if I'm going left or right. You know, if I'm just yeah. sitting still and warming up here in my socks. Yeah. So, so what yeah. we have here in the example is cabbage, which is brassica ulrican. All iracacea, and then kale, which is brassica all iracacea variety veriditis. Okay, Use so you it have in all the this. Sentence, sir. No, I will not do that again. <laughs> and I regretted saying that as soon as I did. But so you have the same thing with like kohlrabi. It's a brassica, mm-hmm. and then the variety. Okay. Yeah. So. It kind of goes into like Latin names and plant names and all that stuff. But but what do you consider red cabbage versus green cabbage? Those are two different varieties. And I know yeah. that they can go further than that, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you know, round carrots and big regular carrots, you know, Danvers mm-hmm. 21s are different varieties. If mm-hmm. it's got a different name, it's a different variety. Yeah. That's how I, I look at it. that's a safe bet, Yeah. Yeah. So if you grow, what's one thing that you can, dinosaur kale versus... Uh, Give me a kale. What is it? Um, what is it? Well, I'm going to call it curly kale. That's not the official name of it, but that's the one that a lot of us know about. 
Okay, so curly kale and dinosaur kale. Mm-hmm. They're two different varieties. Yeah. Russian kale, you know? dinosaur Russian kale. Russian kale, yeah. Dinosaur kale, I think, and someone correct me if um, I got this totally wrong. I've seen it referred to as Tuscan kale, lacinato yeah. kale, and dinosaur kale. And it makes me think that there's probably a, a distinction, a difference, but we've just comfortably said it's the same thing. You know what thing. the difference is? What's that? The difference is the seed that you buy. Mm, okay. So you have bright light chard and rainbow chard. Mm-hmm. Okay, as far as I know, they're about the same. But if you're going to grow them, you wouldn't just buy a pack of seeds that says chard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You would want to know which one. Yeah. Okay. So, and then that helps designate your heirloom seeds mm-hmm. versus your hybrid seeds. You know, it's, so it goes on on. So variety is very important. I saved it for last just because it's kind of easy, but it's important. Yeah. And it's, I thought it was a good one to close out on. Yeah. Nicely done. So, did you have fun doing this? I did. I'm so happy yeah. that we got to it. I've been more tongue-tied on this episode than any other one. I so. think I said it in, I put it in the universe. I'm sorry about that earlier on. You did. Yeah. You yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a it was fun. It's 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 difficult. It's tricky to go back because I mean, you know, determinant and determinant all mm-hmm. that stuff. It was tricky for me, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that I was able to uh to, to learn more about it today. Yeah. Never stop learning. You Absolutely never, ever not. stop learning. Never. If you stop learning, you're dead. Remember that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, <laughs> be safe. Wear a mask. Live strong. Be strong. Learn to grow. Grow for change. Check us out. YouTube, social media, all that good stuff. And Batavia, take us away. See ya. Thanks for listening and hanging out with us today. If you want to continue the conversation or just see what we've been up to, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. And we'd love to see your gardens and what you've been up to. So tag your photos with hashtag BYG podcast and we'll share them and help you out with whatever kind of issues you have. We just we love seeing what you guys are doing. And if you want to see some videos that we were producing, uh, you can follow us on YouTube at Backyard Gardens TV. And we'll be posting clips and podcasts and recipes and vlogs and greenhouse stuff and all that good stuff. Everything to keep your garden soul happy. So head on over to our social media pages and give us a like, a follow, and a subscribe. And until next time, learn to grow, grow for change. And we're going to call this one a wrap. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. 